This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm in Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. In a summer of wildfires and evacuations, Edmonton has become a hub for folks fleeing fire across Alberta and beyond. Most recently, we welcome folks from Yellowknife and the Northwest Territories. And three weeks later, northern evacuees have the all clear to head home. Min, you were watching these fires Mm -hmm. unfold from the station. Walk me through the timeline of what was happening up there. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it was surreal because uh, where I work uh, upstairs, like all of us, I have a monitor just to the left of uh, the computer screens that I work on. And it just felt like, uh, you know, on the network, it was on a loop. Uh, the fires, whether they were up north or in BC or in parts of our province, uh, it was just one story after another and images of, you know, entire forests just burning. And uh, if it wasn't, uh, you know, on the TV, I was getting messages from friends and family, right? I, yeah. I, had a, I have a cousin who moved to Kelowna five years ago. He was, he's in the process of building a home in West Kelowna. So we were texting him. I felt like I was always texting him every day to get an update on what's your situation like. He was getting evacuated. Uh, Lauren McGinnis, who hosts uh, uh, the uh, morning show in Calgary, he's from Yellowknife. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Every day his posts yeah. talking about people that he's connected to in that community, about their situation, of them coming down. So it really was nonstop and uh, you couldn't help but notice uh, just, you know, these people's lives being turned upside down. Yeah, of course. And uh, of course, in June, the territory saw just a total of 21 total fires. But by August 15th, there were over 230 Which wildfires. Is wild. Like that is yeah. just exponentially uh, massive, right? And so the evacuations began with Hay River and then uh, Katlodice First Nation, Fort Smith, and Enterprise. Just a couple of days later, the wildfires were within 17 kilometers of Yellowknife and 19,000 people left the city. And if you were tuning into any type of uh, TV program, uh, it was just amazing to see that that mass of humanity kind of on the highway. Absolutely. Some of those pictures were just so powerful, right? And um, I remember being on standby in case we needed to go on air because our colleagues would have to evacuate. And uh, same with our colleagues in Calgary and Whitehorse. And in the end, 70% of the territory was evacuated, which is, is massive, right? And I, I'm, I'm sure like many others, I was on Google Maps just kind of trying to get a lay of the land to yeah. see what logistically these folks were going to have to go through, of right? Of course. And so in the last few weeks, more than 7,000 people registered at the Edmonton Expo Center and more were spread across reception centers throughout the province. All that came to an end this week, though. By Wednesday, residents were allowed to re-enter the city and a lot more are headed back today or even this weekend. But of course, a lot of communities are still waiting to go home, especially those from Fort Smith and Hay River who were ordered out days before Yellowknife. So the wait continues for some some of those folks, right? Absolutely. It's been an incredible three weeks of mm-hmm. news. So today on The Loop, we're talking about this influx of evacuees and about the wildfires in the north. We are following breaking news out of Yellowknife tonight. Officials have announced an evacuation order for the entire city as a wildfire burns its way closer to it. The order to leave came on Wednesday night as the fire bore down on Yellowknife's boundaries. That route out actually goes right through the forest fire. Smoke has been thick there for several weeks. Trips out of the fire zones, harrowing for many. Holy I think for me that is when it really hit home in saying that this is really happening. 
Among the evacuees that landed in Edmonton are some of our CBC colleagues. For the last little while, they've been sharing our space in downtown, and Hillary Bird is the host of The Trailbreaker, CBC North's morning show, and she made some time for us before heading home herself. Hillary, welcome to The Loop. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Uh, my first question, obviously, how tired are you? You know, we're pretty tired. I, I am extremely tired. I'm, I'm tired on like a normal day. Uh, of course, morning think, show. Yes, yeah. working the morning show, we get up super early. My alarm <laughs> goes off at 345. Um, it is it is a whole different ballgame. I have a two-year-old and I'm pregnant. And oh, wow. so it's like living in a hotel room for the last three weeks. So my two-year-old and I are sharing a bed, which is oh. a whole new experience. It's so fun and yet so difficult at the same time. So <laughs> um, so we're sharing a bed. My husband is unfortunately re- renegated to the pullout. But yeah, it's a different level of, of tired. But I get to go home on Friday. So I'm, I'm so, so excited about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, there is now an end in sight. Yeah. Describe for me, I mean, the last three weeks, what has it been? been like oh it's just it's been absolutely surreal um you know in the days leading up to the evacuation no one ever thought that it was ever possible there wasn't even really a plan in place it was never really discussed or talked about it was just never up in the air and then all of a sudden during a press conference at 7 p.m one night it was everybody's got to get out of here so uh still very surreal i think people Mm -hmm. are starting to kind of come to grips with with what's been happening but it's been really, really difficult. You know, in our job, we talk to people um, uh, in order to hold politicians accountable. We talk to people who are going through, you know, difficult things. So there are a lot of people out there right now with this evacuation who are really struggling. Um, a lot of things people have to pay for up front in hopes of getting reimbursed either by insurance or um, there's a little bit of financial aid available that people can apply for. But, you know, we've heard stories of parents you know, not eating themselves because they're trying to feed their kids or not sure where they're going to stay from night to night. Um, You know, people with dogs and several children, you know, in a two-bedroom hotel room. Um, So it's been a really tough time for a lot of people. Um, We are a very sort of resilient, community-driven place, and and now we're kind of all spread out. So I think that's really difficult on people not to have their supports as well. and then we have a lot of vulnerable people as well. Um, so um, people who, you know, are housing insecure or homeless. Yeah. Um, people who, you know, are on income support, um, pe- elders. So there are there's a lot of anxiety, I think, about what's happening with those communities as well um, and how they're going to get home. So uh, it's fun. <laughs> in a way, we, we get to meet a whole bunch of new people, do a whole bunch of, of new things here, yeah. you know, in the city. And I know that a lot of people are, are doing that. But at the same time, you, you know that so many people in your community are, are really having a tough time. So yeah. it's kind of that dichotomy. It's the curse of one of those breaking news scenarios. There's no shortage of stuff to talk about when you have hours of a morning show. But some of those things are, are so tough. Absolutely. And for the first time, I think, in my life, I am a part of the story. It's, it's just a different, uh, you know, I'm so used to being sort oh. of on the outside looking in or, yeah. or going as a reporter and covering it um, and be, having to be totally objective. And now yeah. for the first time, I'm sort of a part of it and, you know, one of the, the pieces <laughs> moving around. So, What is that like to talk to people that aren't, because yeah, we're normally separate from the stories we cover, but you're speaking to folks who are in the same situation that you are. Absolutely. And you know what? I, um, it's, it, it's hard because, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist. That's like such a big part of my identity, but I'm like a human being and a yeah. member of the Yellowknife community first. Um, and so when the news of the evacuation came down, um, my family and I were going to leave really early in the morning. 
Um, but when it came to really early in the, so I had to call and say, I'm not going to be able to, to do the show. And they found other arrangements. And, but when it came to really early in the morning, you know, the air quality was just so poor um, that we just, it just wasn't safe for us. So we decided to get a flight anyway. So I had a whole day. And so I volunteered to drive people to the evacuation center where they could get flights out. Mm. Um, and that was just such a sobering experience. And it was, um, I think molded the way that I covered the story in the future. Um, in that, you know, you, I really got a sense of what it was like to be a vulnerable person in that situation. And so these were people who, Yellen is a very small place, um, but they couldn't walk the several blocks to the evacuation center, which was at a, a school in Yellowknife because they had disabilities or they were elders. Um, and so it was slightly chaotic there. There were about 800 people in line um, waiting, you know, seven, eight hours, many times without food or water. There were two porta potties. Um, and so, you know, with, with children and babies and people in wheelchairs, it was just a way that I had never seen my city before. And it was absolutely heartbreaking. There was one single mom that I had picked up and she had a son who was like roughly the same age as my son and she had a little baby and we turned the corner and she could see this lineup of nearly a thousand people and she just started crying and she said can you just take me home and so I had to turn around and drive her back home and I don't know what happened to her or whatever but yeah. uh um yeah it was kind of like I had to take my journalism hat off and become a member of the community first and um, it's been so great in a way to see my community come together to help each other out. But again, it's sort of so surreal to, yeah. to have, you know, have to switch those hats. Absolutely. People, and so many people are calling, you know, because of what we do, calling and being like, how do I get a ride to the airport? How do I, how do I book this hotel? Or people are cooking me out. And, you know, as a journalist, it's like, oh my gosh, this is taking up all my time. But as a community member, you're, you're saying, you know, I need to do this. I need to answer these questions or help these people out, help them, you know, navigate the government web pages. And so Absolutely. it's uh, two hats in, in one that I'm sure many of us, many people throughout the North are, are juggling right now as well. Yeah. Are there other people whose stories that, that you've heard and, and people you've met over the last few weeks that have really stuck with you? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there was a community... Uh, in in the NWT that was just completely wiped out. Uh, is this Enterprise? It's Enterprise, yeah. yeah. So it, it was about 92% of all of the, the buildings are gone. Um, and we do a lot of like really tough interviews on our, on our show, um, on many of the current affairs shows. Um, but I've been to Enterprise. I love Enterprise. I know people in Enterprise. I love people in yeah. Enterprise. And speaking to them and having to, to hear people who have lost absolutely everything um and who are just so gracious with their time and sharing their stories um not having insurance you know losing their great-grandmother's mucklucks in a fire and just an unimaginable um experience and yet they're so resilient and calm and and often positive yeah. which is you know just so incredible um, and refreshing uh, in a way to see through all of this. Those are kind of the stories. We spoke to, to a few people who have really lost everything. Mm. Um, and we're so close to danger. I'm talking like people knocking on their doors and within 25 minutes their house was gone. Um, so really running from the flames. Um, and so those are the, you know, in Yellowknife, we're the big city. We get all the attention. Yeah. Um, but we're really lucky in that, you know, we didn't have any damage and we all get to go home now. 
but the places like Enterprise and Hay River and, and Fort Smith, you know, they're going to be out for, for quite a bit longer. Um, and many of them don't have a place to go back to. Oh, it's this horrifying reality of wildfire that mm. we are coping with. And we know in Alberta decently enough. Absolutely. But CBC North is also really interesting because you do so many shows out of Yellowknife. We do. In all kinds of languages. What has it been like to take a whole station and all of the work and programming that you do and just bring it somewhere else at the drop of a hat? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it would be not possible if it wasn't for CBC Edmonton. All of a sudden this place was available for us and, yeah. and you were lending us people to help us technically, you know, doing reporting for us. Um, the fact that you're doing an entire podcast on the Northwest <laughs> Territories is like so great for us. But uh, um, I think it was really hard. We, we are also spread out. So we have people reporting from the field, but the majority of us are here um, at C- CBC Edmonton with mm-hmm. all of your guys' help. And it is so great. We are in a little room in the back. It's actually <laughs> so great how small it is because we're so close to each other. It is such a taste of home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's really helping people connect and still feel connected to the north and it's such a great way to share stories you know you mentioned our indigenous languages you know we have so many of them we're broadcasting all day in different languages and you know the people who do those stories and report uh, on those communities really have a a different perspective and so to be in such a close quarters sharing those interviews back and forth has really I think enriched our yeah. our program but it's not without its kinks you know we had a call-in show this morning that went awry um but uh yeah, we're uh, the 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 issue is now slowly moving back. Of course, um, and who goes back first, and how do we make sure that we're having like continuity of programs and stuff? So that's all being figured out now. Yeah, how does it feel for yourself to finally have that end date, that return home? It's amazing. I cannot wait to take a bath. I'm so excited, you know, to be able to to go home yeah. to to even just sort of have that light at the end of the tunnel to know we're going home a couple days after. You know, today is, of course, going to be Wednesday, the, the big rush to go home. We're going home on Friday just because that's we're planning around the weekend and just the way that our programming works and mm-hmm. trying to get my son in, back in daycare. Um, so I'm excited. But you know what? I'm also there's it's so bittersweet because this has been such an experience. Yeah. Um, we've grown so much closer as a family. You know, I feel like I've gotten to spend so much time, you know, with my son because we don't have childcare. So we're, my husband and I are both working full time and trying to juggle it. Um, And I've been, we've been able to do so many fun things. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet, Mm -hmm. but I cannot wait to sleep in my own bed, (laughs) have a bath in my bathtub and just get back to the, like the simple things of life. You know, I heard someone on the radio say that I can't wait to do like entertainment where I don't have to pay a whole bunch of money or do some big event, but just like take a walk or go mm-hmm. to the park and go to the playground, sort of the things that people take for granted. So yeah, I'm absolutely. excited for that. Talk to me about that sweetness though. Oh, where have you found the light in the last few weeks? Cause we've talked about so much of the, the challenge and the toughness and the struggles that people are facing. Where have you found the light to wake up every morning and still say, Hey, good morning. I'm here. Hey, definitely those people that I talk to who are so positive and resilient and strong. Um, and I, I am going to tell you, like, Edmontonians especially have been so nice to us. They have been so gracious. (laughs) Like, I have so many stories of 
um, my husband went out and someone paid for his meal or I went to the grocery store and uh, with my son and, you know, we have these bright green wristbands, you know, that show that we're evacuees right. and the employee came over. We were doing self-checkout and was like, here, I'm going to give you my employee discount. Aww. And people, we've done so many free things, you know, your transit is free. It's just been just, just seeing the world welcome us, um, seeing you know, people know that we exist in a way that the Northwest Territories often gets forgotten on national media. Yeah. Um, and so to see us um, get so much attention and, and this get so much attention is really heartwarming. Um, and also just just to be around my coworkers is, is really awesome. You know, we had uh, one of our coworkers actually lives here. She had a big turkey dinner for us all on Sunday night. Oh. So there's been like little little pockets of everyone sort of coming together and being like, listen, we know this is super hard, but yeah. let's try and find these little fun moments yeah. um, that we never would have done. I would never have turkey dinner with 30 of my colleagues. Not in August. No, no. yeah. <laughs> So those are sort of the sweet little moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like getting to walk around Edmonton with my son and go to the science center and go to the pool. And nice. Your amazing yeah. public library. Those have been pretty awesome. It's pretty rad. Knowing how tight knit the North is and what you've all been through now together, what are you expecting from the Yellowknife community when you get back home? Oh, it's going to be awesome. I think that's, the, <laughs> I think that's the, the, how people are, why people are so excited to get yeah. back. Um, it's going to be great. I saw someone post today on, on Facebook like, hey, I know everyone's coming back today and you're not going to have any groceries. Here's my address. Come by for dinner. Oh. And just post it on like a Yellowknife forum. So like that is what I'm talking about where Yellowknife really comes together. And that's, yeah. that's not something that's like an anomaly. Um, and so it's going to be super great. It's something we're going to be talking about. It's probably the most exciting thing to happen to us for a very long time. We're going to be talking about it forever. But uh yeah, we're going to have a lot more of those really awesome invitations are coming together in our collective. You know, we got through this. We did it. And look at us now. So, yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for those moments for you. I can't wait for your first bath. I know. Um, we, have, we, we have a shower here and I have a two-year-old, which showering down a two-year-old oh, is no fun. So, no. yeah, I'm also pregnant. So taking a hot bath with my like lower back is oh, going to yeah. be so great. So it's going to feel great. Thank you. Thank you for making the time before you head north. Oh, I love it. And thank you for, thank you for, you know, covering the north and for, for thinking about us. We are forever grateful. Susan Fitzke, and I'm the mom in this family. Family of four humans and a couple critters. Yep, so we have two kids. We have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, and Byron's my partner. And we have Momo the dog and JJ Pounce the kitty. That's a full car. And that is a very full car, especially considering the car. What kind of car? (laughs) We rocked out of Yellowknife in a 99 Honda CRV. We realized on the road, it's void of air conditioning. So it was a very hot drive. And also we had been looted before we left. And so someone had stolen all the CDs in the car. So we had no capacity to play any music or have a distraction. So, uh, yeah. How are you thinking about the trip back? Yeah, you know, we've thought a lot about how do we make this a different experience going back than the one coming out, which was pretty harrowing. So um, we're trying to break the trip up into shorter chunks. On the way out, we drove 25 hours before we found a place to stay. So we're going to take smaller pieces, do a few more stops to see people who've offered to help, 
And then, um, yeah, you know, we got some work done on the car, so I think it'll be a more comfortable drive than on the way out. We've got air conditioning now, so we shouldn't be sweating in our seats. And yeah, just thinking about going back home and being excited to have a place to go home to and to really focus on kind of what's next. How do we get back into our life and the routines that we look forward to? Mama. Um, my name's Iggy and I'm eight years old. And who's this you got? Momo. Momo the dog? Yes. What are you most excited about about being back at home? I'm having my own bed. Are you sleeping okay here sharing a bed? Yeah, but it's not as normal as usual. Is it helpful or a pain for you to have the pets in the car with you? If we didn't bring them, it would have been very stressful for me and my sister and even my parents, so without them. Hello, my name is Myriad Fitzky, and I'm 10 years old. What are you excited about, about getting home? To be in my bed. You're not the first person who said that. What's going on? I've been sleeping on a mattress on the ground with my sister. And it's not as fun as it sounds? No. <laughs> How come? Because she kicks me in her sleep by accident. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get back to Yellowknife? Go to sleep. <laughs> in a bed without a kicking sister? Yes. That is CBC Calgary's Lauren McGinnis meeting up with family from Yellowknife as they prepare to hit the road from Calgary this week. And they were among thousands as the city opened back up to residents at this point in the summer. It feels like Edmonton is a well-practiced evacuation center. Thousands have been through the expo center or reception centers in St. Albert and Leduc. And I mean, it feels like I'm driving up to every second car with a uh, Yellowknife license plate. Right? It is the funny way to notice and you kind of want to just wave and say, hey, you know, we're thinking of you. And uh, Yeah, license plates and then seeing all the green wristbands the around wristbands. town as well. Yeah, for sure. But there are Albertans still displaced from their communities as well. Well, places like Little Red River Cree Nation and Fox Lake. Others remain under evacuation alert. And of course, evacuating is never easy. Uh, And for a lot of people, it has been an incredibly tough challenge this time around. Mm -hmm. Janice Clement spoke with CBC reporter Lini Lambrink outside the city of Yellowknife about her experience and that of her furry friend. Today, I slept in my car over at the Snowshoe Inn gift shop. You slept in your car? Yes. Oh my goodness. I came down yesterday and um, just really anxious to get home. Really anxious, yeah. Yeah, I have a, a cat who's been in uh, kitty cat condos for two and a half weeks and he's hasn't done really well. He's been quite anxious and he's sick. So I just wanna, I wanna get home. I'm so emotional when I talk about this stuff. You don't realize how much these little things that are quite simple hit you until you're living them. You know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but you know, here I am crying about the fact that I want to get my cat home. (laughs) Uh, I think I'll I'll probably arrive at the checkpoint a couple of hours early, so I hope they'll have pity on me and let me through. Yeah, and what is the first thing you're gonna do when you get home? Um, Get him out of that crate and, and cuddle him. Relieved I'm almost home. So some relief there from Janice, and I think some relief for those who remained in town as well. Kyle Thomas is the co-owner of Bush Order Produce in Yellowknife, and they've actually been working with smaller communities in the area to try and fill the need for food supplies. Uh, He shared a bit again with Lini about what this work has looked like. 
uh, for a while we were uh, cooking for for people on the front lines and then we switched into more of a wholesale providing another uh, kitchen with some food that were produce that was going out into the community but that as as things have kind of evolved here in Yellowknife and things have kind of calmed down and we and things have started to shift to looking towards uh, the re-entry as we all um, know about it now uh, things kind of quieted down on the front of of needing larger amounts of food for those who are working on the front lines so we went from doing a lot of that to then kind of a day or two later got a phone call from a couple of volunteers uh, a couple of days ago just saying that they were essentially going through community gardens and backyard gardens and harvesting what they could and if we were interested in donating anything to uh, to the efforts that it could be stored at a community cooler i think at uh, well was that co-op and then it was supposedly going to go out to one of the communities so we do have things that despite our best efforts to like process them and preserve them and whatnot that would eventually go would go bad so kind of the way we looked at it was uh, we don't want this to spoil we don't want this to just go into the compost we want to make sure that it's actually getting to somebody uh, that's going to be eating it and going to be uh, valuing it so we we've harvested what we had already kind of been harvesting and stuff that uh, we knew that needed to be harvested before it would over mature and that was kind of the bulk of what uh, what we sent out to or sent over to the cooler that was then going on mass with a bunch of other produce to one of the communities and then that was as far as we went we just took it over there yesterday dropped it off and and where it goes and when it gets there we don't actually know we don't even have any clear ties to uh, any of the communities talking or asking for the uh, the contribution so that's about the extent so it, there may be an opportunity to do it again uh, i think it, it's a lot based on when they can get flights out to these communities because that was what started all of this so I think as planes keep uh, coming and going, then there may be a, another opportunity. So that is Kyle Thomas of Bush Order Produce in Yellowknife. But like we heard from Hillary, Edmonton is a city that knows how to step up to the plate when they have to. And closer to home, there is no shortage of people who have been eager to connect and support those out of their own homes. Nazim Awan is an evacuee from Yellowknife. He spent the last few weeks working with the Pakistani community of Edmonton alongside volunteers to prepare hundreds of halal meals and make sure that displaced northerners get a bite to eat. When we arrived in Edmonton, when we arrived at our hotel, next day we went to the uh, evacuation center. Then after that, I saw that uh, many of our community uh, fellow members were wondering about the food. And, uh, you know, people have... uh, stress for the travel and then stress on uh, feeding children and you know taking care of children. I talked with uh, several people and uh, some of them told that they, although it was only second or third day, they said that they, f- they are already feeling uh, stress, further stress for the meal and the ca- cash. And some of them uh, said that even they have not uh, really eaten a well uh, good meal uh, for the, in the last 24 hours. I reached out to the Pakistani community and I uh, asked him what is your advice? What do you think we can do? We mean Pakistani community in Edmonton. And the, then uh, I was really happily surprised that the next day uh, he organized a meeting of Pakistani uh, different uh, community leaders. And right at that meeting, for 10 days, people said, okay, today's my sponsorship. And then uh, next 10 days were taken. Yeah. My name is Asif Malik, and I am 
president of Business Council of Edmonton, Pakistani community, the Muslim community. There's both more than 200 people, more than that, living in Edmonton from the Yellowknife. They don't have the halal food option. City arranged very well. I mean, the accommodation is well. They have the food three times, but the missing gap was the halal food. And the other issue was going three times to that, you know, evacuee center. People are living in south side hotels, north side hotels. It's hard for them to go three times in a day to go pick up the meal and come back. My name is uh, Mubeen Ahmed and I'm General Secretary of Let's uh, Help Society of Alberta. We have um, contributions and support uh, in the form of, of uh, you know, cash uh, and the food. A list is growing and uh, we're hoping to you know, have more um, donors uh, so we can expand our food. So, so far, our focus was to, you know, provide them food, but now we're, we're identifying other needs for, for small kids. We are uh, getting every day, you know, a new, uh, I will say, request. We try our best to give to those people who identify themselves to us. But after that, if some leftover, anybody can take it. We do not just drop the food in hotels. We give handover to the people so that we know who is getting the food. Those who acquiesce, when they receive food, when they smile, they give us a lot of prayers. That's what we expect. I mean, we do it just for the sake of community, not for specific peoples and not for the Muslims only. The hotels where they live, they have all type of people. So whichever hotel we deliver is being delivered to anyone who is in that hotel, or any acquiesce from any religion, any nation, no, no difference. Voices there of Edmonton and Yellowknife's Pakistani community working together to provide meals to displaced people and the ways people found to give back are just numerous. We saw free haircuts, access to services and centers, and the Edmonton Riverhawks even put on a free event. The Elks offered free tickets to what became a winning game. I Which love is amazing. It. Yeah, I think that's the best gift of all was a win. Yeah. A and win. I, th- and I think I even saw a post that uh, the Elks opened up the field. To oh, really? People from Yellowknife. So oh. they were able to come down. I think it was after a practice or something. That's awesome. They were able to take in a practice and, you know, anything to kind of distract them from what's going on back at home. And yeah. uh, hats off to all of the different groups and, and teams that, that helped out. Yeah, we've heard many people talk about just wanting to go home and have those kind of free entertainment options of going for a walk with the dog and stuff. But yeah. coming here and just being able to do things for free, access different spaces probably means so World much. World of difference, right? Absolutely. But now, of course, people are finally getting to return mm. home. Uh, CBC's Manoor Mubarak spoke to Northern residents about what they actually want to do first when they finally get home. Just be at home. Just be home. <laughs> really, that's, that's what I want to do is I want to be at home. We're looking forward to just relieving the, the anxiety of, of being away and not necessarily knowing uh, what's going on. Well, besides picking up the, the maybe the, the Paris stuff in the fridge and, and picking up the dead plants, um, I think we're just going to, you know, settle in. And, um, you know, our plants might be dead, but, you know, everything should be uh, back to normal soon enough. So the first thing I would do probably when I get home would be to water my plants. Um, I think that would be the first thing. So I have some tomato plants that were doing really, really well. And uh, I just kind of look at them through my camera and I'm sad to see them shrivel by the day. So I'm hoping that by the time we get back, there still is some, you know, and that we can water them and still be able to get a good harvest and then check on my friends, uh, be able to see who's back in town and maybe stop by and have coffee with some friends. To be honest, I'm probably just going to assess like, uh, 
what's going on in my fridge just like seeing what has spoiled like one thing that i typically enjoy doing around this time of year leading into september is looking for cranberries so if it's not too smoky that would be something that would be neat to try and do just to feel like um that's still something that's possible i was able to go to my work workplace and uh, see my other friends and you know colleagues and we do whatever we do you know uh, uh contribute to the community in a meaningful way first thing is my wife will cook a very uh, delicious meal and will eat as a family well i know it's weird but i'm going to the dog park and i'm getting the kids to the dog park <laughs> like taking them there and hoping that some of their friends will be there because you know their their owners are my friends too and we do have that common bond we go there just about every day and it's a a a certain group of people that go there we take an interest in each other and we want to know how we're all doing you you kind of draw a sense of camaraderie with the environment and that's what draws me back is to be on the to be on the land where i feel okay like i feel normal when i'm in the territories and when i'm in yellowknife and when i'm in other places i i feel kind of out of sorts so i i think it is that sense of belonging you know like it welcomes the north welcomes us home it always welcomes us home you know sometimes it's the people sometimes it's the environment but it brings us back so that's what i look forward to The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton, and our team this week is Leslie Goldstone and Corey Haverstock. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. A huge thank you to our NWT colleagues for their time, for their tape, and for sharing stories during what has been a very tough few weeks. Yeah, absolute pros. There's no doubt about that. And thanks to all of you for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, do it by sending us an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.